0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Ex Nihilo podcast. I'm Eddie. Hey, today we're talking about uh, 13 steps to eating healthy the Ex Nihilo way. Now, that might sound a little complicated or whatever, but essentially, the, the, the bell I've been ringing over the last several years is that we should be trying to eat food as close to the way God made it as possible. That's our goal. We want you to be eating food as close to the way God originally created it, not in all areas, but in a lot of areas. And the reason why this has been challenging is this idea that big pharma, big food, big agriculture has trickled in and has made it incredibly difficult for us to do that. Their number one priority, by the way, just to Biggest spoiler alert for you is not to make you as healthy as possible, to not help you perform as as good as possible, to not help you live the longest, to not even make you feel good. Its goal is to make food taste good so that you'll buy it more because that lines their pockets. That's their big objective. So they've changed the way we produce food. They've changed the way we've raised cattle. We've raised pigs. We've raised chickens. We've grown crops. Uh, We've grown fruit in order to line their pockets with as much money as possible. That's their ultimate goal. I hate to break it to you, but not everyone has altruistic motives for everything they do. So these 13 things are gonna help you sort of combat that, to eat as, as perfect as you possibly can. Now, I do think that if you follow these 13 steps, that this will be your best bet to feeling good, performing good, and living as long as possible. That's my ultimate goal for you. I'm trying to help. Um, So let me start off with three pillars of X and These are three things that I want you to get out of eating this particular way, and then we're going to get into these 13 steps, okay? So the first thing is well-being. I want you to feel good living. I want you to experience life well. I want you to live optimally. And the food that, that we eat today typically, especially if you eat in the center of the grocery store, you're eating Oreos, you're eating Kellogg's cereal, more on them in a minute, Uh, if you're eating some of the packets of oatmeal and you're going to McDonald's and you're eating Pizza Hut, you're not going to feel good. You may feel good for a moment, that serotonin may hit you, The dopamine may hit you as you eat that food in the moment, but I promise you, long term, that is not going to be what's good for you. I want you to live well. I'm convinced that most of us have never lived and felt optimally ever. Because we've always been so bogged down with things like brain fog and stress and headaches from all the junk we've been eating. So I want you to feel good long term. Okay, that's, that's the goal, well-being. The second pillar is the pil- pillar of longevity. You know, a, a lot of the Christian rebuttal to you know perf- uh, to eating well is, listen, I don't really want to think about my diet. I just want to go out and do God's mission. And I would say, I think that's great. I want you to do God's mission too. I want to do God's mission. I want to go forth and make disciples of many nations. Let's say Matthew 28. Okay. I want you to do that. I do think that what you eat actually creates and shrinks, let's I say shrinks your time on earth for you to be able to do that. So you're thinking about it in times of minutes and hours in a day. And I'm thinking about this in terms of years. I actually don't think you can live as long. If you eat poorly and you eat junk, it's just the same as like putting quality fuel in a, in a sports car. If you're putting premium fuel in a sports car, it's going to, um, it's going to last a long time, right? That's the goal. I want you to be around as long as possible. I want you to be able to do the mission. I also want you to be around for your family. This is really important to me. I have family members that have chosen to eat poorly for their entire lives and have passed away or gotten really sick as a result. You may also have that as well. I want you to be around for your sons and daughters. I want you to be able to dance with your daughter at her wedding or dance with your son at their wedding. Walk, If your father walk your daughter down the aisle, give her away in marriage. I want that for you. I also want you to be able to pick up your grandkids and even, God willing, your great grandkids as you're here on earth. And I also want you to be around as long as possible for you. The truth of the matter is we are living longer today in society, but because of modern medicine and some of the the... the 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 challenges around medication and big pharma, we are living a long time as a result of some of that stuff. It's extending life in quantity, but it's not leading to that quantity as well. And so I want both of those for you, okay? Longevity is incredibly important to me. So well-being, longevity, but also performance. It's one thing to be around. It's another thing to be around performing well. Right, we talk about quantity of life. We want you to also have a high quality life, and I want you to be able to perform well. For me, I'm a pastor. I'm, that means I, I'm a public speaker. Uh, that means I'm typically someone who does acts like a CEO. So I, I lead an organization, lead, lead, help lead our staff uh, alongside our other leaders and elders. I also um, am sort of a, a master of ceremonies of sorts. I, I have to do weddings and funerals. I also am a counselor, I help people, I'm a coach, I I coach people in their health and wellness as well. I also have a family, I have uh, four kids and a wife. I've got to perform well, I've got a busy life, and you may have a busy life too, you may have a job, you may have a family, you may have friends. I want you to be able to perform at the highest level possible. So the ex nihilo way, so to speak, these 13 steps, uh, is going to help you sort of sit on this three-legged stool well. You're going to feel good, well-being. You're going to feel great, you're going to live a long time, longevity, and you're going to perform at a high level. That is the philosophy that Ex Nihilo leads to. And I do think God designed food to be nourishment for us to do those three things. Now, of course, another rebuttal would be, well, what if God calls me to go get martyred in Saudi Arabia or something for Jesus? Okay, fine. Go do it. If you feel like God's calling you to do that, if you feel that's what you're led to do, of course. The the sort of living a long time by eating healthy does not trump uh, God's call on your life by any stretch. But for the vast majority of us, he's called us into our places of work, into our families, into our neighborhoods, to be good disciples, to, to make friends, to be good citizens of our community, to help bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That may be for our whole lives. That may be a long time. And so I don't want you to go out at 58 of massive coronary heart attack. I don't want you to die of cancer at 38, and I don't want you to go out when you're 28 from diabetes, which someone recently has that I know. I don't want any of those things for you. I want you to live as long as possible. Now, some of this stuff you're not going to be able to prevent, that, obviously that's true, but why why not give yourself the best chance at life by following and holding fast to the ex and away and holding fast to these three pillars of well-being, longevity, and performance, okay? So I'm gonna give you these 13 things, and just a word to the wise as we get started here. When you're starting this process, just get started somewhere. You can take these 13 things and you can implement all of them, and that honestly is gonna be great. This is how I live. This is how I want my family to live. But you could also just implement the ones that you feel good doing now. And that may be good for you for now. The point is, start. Don't look at these 13 things and just take out and just look at them and go, oh, that'd be great one day. Maybe there's one or two or seven or, God willing, 12 or 13 of these things that you can do now that will help you work towards a better well-being, more longevity, and a higher performance. That's my hope for you, okay? The more you do on this list, the better you're going to feel. The more you do on this list, the better you're gonna feel, the longer you're gonna live, the better you're gonna perform. They have essentially a cumulative effect, which I, by, by, by that I mean they stack on top of one another. So if you just do one, you'll feel a little bit better. If you do two, three, or four, or five, they're going to, you're gonna feel better and better and better. And you might see that if you're not feeling well um, and performing well, or you're starting to feel unwell, um, you may want to implement the ones you haven't implemented yet because this may be the key to you feeling better long term. Okay, so get started somewhere. Implement all of them, uh, the ones you feel like you're good doing now. Slowly add to slowly add to the list as you can. The more you do, the better you feel. The more you do, the longer you live. The more you do, the better you're going to perform. They're cumulative. But don't be surprised if you're not feeling unwell, if you're not feeling well, not feeling optimal, you're feeling like you can hit, hit that next level, that you shouldn't add one or two or three or all of these back in if you aren't doing them. Okay? <clears throat> all right. Let's start with number one. First thing, eliminate gluten. Eliminate gluten. This is my number one thing for everybody. Now you might say, I thought the gluten-free movement sort of peaked in 2011 or something and you might be right and that's probably true. But I don't know about you, but I don't like to make decisions based on what's popular or in, like in trend for the moment. Like what is the view talking about or what is the latest podcast I was talking about. Sometimes those things align, but it's better to take this philosophy, find the truth in it and implement what you can um, and don't be moved by like the trends and cultural moment things that are happening. Gluten is not good for you. It's highly inflammatory. Uh, it leads to things like food cravings, brain fog, fatigue, poor performance, and you likely have never felt optimal if you've been consuming it, especially modern gluten. I've talked about this extensively a few podcasts ago, ago where we broke down some of how grain is different from the grain that Jesus ate. You should probably go listen to that if you're concerned with that. But the food that Jesus ate, the bread that Jesus ate was hearty. It was filled with minerals. It was filled with vitamins. It, w- it could be a meal unto and of itself. And today, our gluten is nutritionally void. And it is essentially a, an agent to get you nutrients, to make you hungrier, to make you more addictive. So you'll buy more of it. And it's designed that way. It's not the same. Gluten is not the same as it was. The key here, though, is inflammation inflammation as i've talked about is the number one precursor to every modern major and western disease chronic inflammation not acute inflammation like you fall you hit your elbow and your elbow hurts that's different i'm talking about chronic inflammation in your joints in your organs in your headaches things like that chronic inflammation things that cause arthritis and gout this is largely diet related and again it things like cancer heart attack stroke Diabetes all have their roots in something like inflammation. So I would say if you're looking to scavenge inflammation from your life, the first place you can start is modern gluten, okay? If you are interested in saying, well, Jesus ate bread, so I should maybe eat bread too, I would go listen to my podcast, last podcast on on some of this stuff. Hear the differences between uh, between the two breads, the bread that Jesus ate and the bread that we eat nutritionally void bread that we eat. Um, And then if you still do want to eat bread, you're going to go search out uh, ancient grain to make your bread with. So things like emmer and einkorn bread are great options. You can even find yourself uh, fermenting bread. Things like sourdough, um, not just commercial sourdough, but actual ancient sourdough bread can have better effects. It doesn't mean, though, you shouldn't still eliminate it. This is why I always recommend food sensitivity tests and food allergy tests because not everyone's created equal and you still may need to remove it, even if, let's say, it's the sort of bread that Jesus ate or something like that. Eliminate gluten. The second step <clears throat> remove junk oils. Now, you're going to hear guys like Paul Saladino talk about this on Instagram, and he's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. Paul Saladino used to be the carnivore guy. He wrote that book. I think it's called The Carnivore Code or something like that. Paul has definitely evolved on his philosophy, and he would tell you that. He used to be just-eat-meat guy, meat and salt and organs, and now he's added in things like eggs and kefir, um, fruit, which is a huge difference from what he was earlier, and I think that's great. As the facts and as your knowledge changes, so should you. And so I applaud him. I learn a ton from Paul Saladino, um, but one of the things he's been, one of the bells he's been ringing from the very beginning, is removing junk oils. Now this has, this has been true for a long time, and it should always have been true. These things are highly unfl- inflammatory. Things like corn oil, soy oil. By the way, the two big biggest products produced in the U.S. in agriculture are soy and corn. Okay, and then you throw in a third canola or AKA rapeseed oil makes uh, it mean it, it, it's kind of, it makes a lot of sense why we don't want to call it rapeseed for obvious reasons, but it was produced in Canada. So they called it canola oil. I think that's absolutely fascinating uh, marketing strategy from Canada. Good, good for you. But all of these oils are absolutely destroying us and we should avoid them. We should avoid them at all costs because they are so damaging to us they are frustrating to us they do hurt our bodies they are inflammatory um you should also work to avoid so you should work to avoid let's start over corn oil canola oil soy oil um, soybean oil but also omega-6 inducing fats like flaxseed oil and pressed peanut oil these are polyunsaturated fats they can become very unstable in production and they're going to make you inflamed. Um, the government has worked really hard. Uh, the food pyramid, you got guys like Ansel Keys who produced the original study that got people off of saturated fat and sort of turned us on to these oils. Um, these oils hurt your body, but I will also say that big food is in on these as well. So big food, companies like Monsanto who produce a lot of, of these different oils or at least the crops for the oils, Uh, Crisco, all these different things, Um, all these foods um, are being produced and manufactured in a billion-dollar industry, and they're they're, um, financially motivated to get you to eat them. And so what that means is that they'll likely solicit and pay for studies that confirm that their foods are good for you. These foods are not naturally occurring oils. They are not something that God had originally created. This is uh, mankind getting our grubby little hands in on this and trying to um, increase financial gain as a result. Um, It's been said that Crisco, one of these oils, was created, a hydrogenated oil, was actually created um, by Napoleon. That's something in order to feed their his people on these long trips because they needed something that would last a long time and this is food that the very lowest of society would eat in order to just keep you alive but it was never meant to uh, sustain a healthy lifestyle okay remember we're on a journey to rid your body of inflammation if you want to rid your body of inflammation look no further than junk oils and this stuff's hidden in everything you might go into the grocery store and pick up a health bar like a health bar or what, and it looks healthy because it's got like a a earth tone package. And so you're like, oh, this is healthy for me because it has seeds and nuts. And then you look at the back and its first ingredient is like soybean oil or canola oil. That's destructive for your body. It's absolute trash and you should not eat it. So eliminate gluten, remove junk oils. Third, stop eating sugar. Now I'm going to break some hearts today. Oh man, uncle Eddie is going to break your heart, but here's the deal. Hi, uh, lots of sugar produces inflammation in the body. Inflammation is one of the precursors to every modern major and Western disease. It's also packed in excess to most all junk foods. Things that shouldn't have sugar in them, that have no business having sugar in them, have sugar in it. Sugar equals inflammation for the most part. So keep your sugar down unless it's certain fruits, but not in high quantities. More on that in a second. Number four, healthy fats. Healthy fats add healthy fats back into your diet. We talked about some of these studies that were produced a long time ago around why we were trying to get saturated fats demonized in society and how it happened based all on a flawed study by a guy named Ansel Keys in the 1950s and 60s. And as a result, the American Heart Association and lots of others decided that saturated fat was bad because it raised your cholesterol and cholesterol essentially was present in people with heart attacks. A lot has come out since. There's a great book by a woman named Nina Teicholz called uh, The Big Fat Surprise, Why Meat, Cheese, and Milk Belong in a Healthy Diet. I encourage you. It reads like a thriller. I would read that book. It's a great book to read on a plane. But it talks about how big food, big pharma, big agriculture has all gotten its hands in on these studies and has tried to continue this message and press forward this message that saturated fat is bad to then sell on the back end, some of these oils we just talked about, but saturated fats we know is good. Actually, there's a story going around um, from one person who said that they actually spoke against uh, the the studies that were that I just talked about, and uh, the president of the American Heart Association was there, and they were telling these stories and they were saying why it's all bad why why saturated fat is actually good for you and why these other oils are bad for you. And the president of the American Heart Association stood up and said, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, right? And she says, "Oh, this is all true, but no one is listening to us because it's just so embedded in nature now that this stuff is that that hydrogenated oils, polyunsaturated um oils are 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 good for you. And so they, and they're, they, they couldn't get it out. It's like, it's in the water now. Right. So to speak, all that to say saturated fats, we now know are good for you and are healthy for you, depending on which kind, right? So grass-fed butter, ghee, two great oils, grass-fed butter, grass-fed ghee. Um, grass-fed is very important because animals that are raised industrially have uh, toxins stored in their fat from what they consume. And so eating grass-fed animals the way God intended them to be, by the way, that's important, is a way forward. And actually there's a lot of higher omega-3 content in their fat. So they actually are good for you. If you're in a pinch and you can't get to some grass-fed butter, it's better off to not eat industrial butter. Okay, Foods like coconut oil, like I said, um, MCT oil, which is essentially uh, medium-chain triglycerides. It's The higher uh, chain content in the coconut oil, so like C6 and C8 chains, MCT oils, are really good for you. I prefer brain octane oil, which is a brand out there you could go for. Foods like avocados are good sources of healthy fat as well. Um, Healthy fats like omega-3 are good, so wild-caught fish, great. um, Wild-caught fish oil supplements can be good, but you have to be careful because some brands actually sell rancid fish oil supplements even if they say wild on it. Heat gets in or mold gets in or something like that and the fish oil has gone bad and so then they bleach the smell out so it's not so bad. A good way to know if you've got yourself a rancid oil fish oil supplement is if you get like the fish oil burps that are sort of coming up. That's usually a telltale sign you've got a rancid oil. So be careful for that those Um, You could always go with krill oil. Arctic krill oil is really good and has high-quality fats, the DHA and APA fats. I would aim in that direction. Um, Healthy fat is good for you. Healthy fat leads to high good hormone profile. So if you're looking to regulate hormones to keep yourself healthy, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, this sort of thing, a saturated fat... adds to that. It turns out though, that some of the food that we take for granted that has removed this fat, um, has a seedy history, a seedy underbelly history to it. There's a guy named Dr. Kellogg. His name may be familiar to you. Now, Dr. Kellogg, um, is a fascinating character in history because, and even for this podcast, he was a seventh day Adventist and he looked at communities and societies and saw that sexual sin was not good for society. And I don't necessarily disagree, but one way he could combat that was what he found out was that meats and cheeses and eggs led to higher or healthier levels of testosterone. And so one of the ways we could sort of circumvent quote unquote sexual sin was to remove those from our diet. And so then he produced a cereal that did not have those elements and, in fact, would lower and wreck hormone profiles and cause people to be less sexually active. It's called cornflakes. And now, widely today in society, you and I, we eat cornflakes, frosted flakes, we eat cereals like Cheerios, that all of them have decidedly and definitively ruined our hormone profiles. And as a result, his desire was to get people's sexual profiles to go down, testosterone, estrogen, and the like, and he succeeded. But the sad part is most of us all still eat those cereals. And so if we're wondering why our hormones may be out of whack, sexual desire or sexual um, drive is down, testosterone levels dip, etc., it's because we're eating this junk food that's been promulgated for a weird religious seven-day Adventist person whose desire was to curb sexual sin. And, and help people, so to speak, or help at least the, the idea of his religion. But what he's done is done the opposite. He's actually harmed people. You may have read Genesis, the book of Genesis, Be Fruitful and Multiply. It's quite hard to be fruitful and multiply when your sex drive is down and when you're infertile, which is what some of this cereal does to us. Okay, so you want to add in healthy fats. Number five. Remove all grains except white rice. Now, this is more of one of your, your bigger ones. Uh, it's probably one of the last ones you may choose to do, but the way most grains are produced will cause inflammation in you. They are often used as substitutes for gluten, so you get all these different things like rice flour or you know whatever it is, <clears throat> almond flour, and what they're trying to do, or coconut flour, and what they're trying to do is give you healthy substitutes um, for, for gluten, and some of those are okay, but most of them still cause have the same issues. Inflammation, uh, brain fog, low performance, low longevity, causing issues. One of the worst things that's been invented is these like gluten-free foods. So it's basically like crackers or cookies. We're like, oh, gluten's bad. So here's a cookie with 40 grams of sugar. But it has rice flour instead. It's still causing the similar problems. So it, it, it's not actually solving the problem. We want you to eat real food, not junk food. Again, if you do decide to opt for some kind of bread, emmer grain, ancient grain einkorn, grain, einkorn grain is what you should aim for. But the point there is get a food allergy test done. Okay, You may still not have be able to eat some of those foods. You may have a nut uh, intolerance, a nut issue that's causing inflammation when you're eating some of these like almond flour things or bran rice flour or whatever for grains, whatever it is. You may have an issue that you're reacting to and it's causing issues. Human beings are not all robots. I hate to break it to you. We're not all robots. Um, There's a principle called N equals one principle. And the N equals one principle essentially is that you and I are all individuals. All of our bodies are different. Some of us tolerate stuff and some don't. Just because you don't have an anaphylactic reaction to something doesn't mean you should be eating it. Okay? People react differently. Getting rid of all grains is a helpful way for you to avoid some of the challenges that come with inflammation as it relates to eating some of this stuff. Um, N equals one principle. Uh, number six, remove all frankenfood chemicals like artificial sweeteners and artificial colors. This is a big challenge for a lot of people. If we're honest, I know this is hard. Things like aspartame or sweet and low or Splenda, sucralose. This stuff is buried deep in so much of what we eat All those energy drinks and stuff, by the way, oh my gosh, those are abominations under the Lord. Avoid these things. We now have plenty of studies that show you that a lot of these artificial sweeteners cause cancer. I mean, I talked about on a previous podcast how American Beverage Company went uh, through a social media campaign and found influencers that would tell you to eat eat and drink aspartame and that it was totally fine for you. Funny enough, American Beverage Co. uh, is coupled with PepsiCo and Coca-Cola and sell those products. So you can't just trust any old study because people are incentivized to lie or to at least find uh, uh, confirmation bias in their studies. And at the very least, if you still eat these things, some of them still do act as sugar in the body. So they'll spike your blood sugar, they'll make you hungry, they'll give you headaches. I remember the last time I drank a Coca-Cola product. I was 18 years old. I hadn't drank it all throughout high school. But I got offered a Coke Zero or uh, something when it came out. So I was like, oh, this is probably fine. You know, it's got no bad, no sugar. So I drank it after four years of not having one and got a splitting headache. um, Because my body just was not used to that level of inflammation, the vasoconstriction uh, that's happening in your your veins and stuff by eating some of this stuff. It was horrible. So avoid those. And artificial colors. California now is banning some of this stuff. And I know I'm from California, but California's not always the best place to follow its advice from. I get that. But one of the things they're smart on is some of these red dyes are destroying society. Um, yellow dyes, yellow five, red dye forty, red dye, you know, whatever it is, blue this and blue that. These are all color, uh, color. Uh, what are they called? Science experiments that have been thrown in food to make them look a certain way. So you might say, I want some flaming hot Cheetos. Well, they're red because they've got red food dye and all this stuff, right? This stuff um, we know is causing behavioral issues, things like ADD, ADHD, but it's also causing inflammation, things like cancer. These things are everywhere. Sodas, cereals, protein powders even. Just because it's a protein powder does not mean it's healthy. Gelatin, candy, gum, confections, certainly energy and sports drinks like, like Gatorade, um, things like that. Avoid that junk food. Number seven, move all meat consumption to grass-fed meat. I've talked about it before. Industrial raised animals are bad for you. Those animals eat trash. They eat corn, genetically modified corn, genetically modified grain, and they eat this stuff. And it causes inflammation in their bodies. What they typically do is add additional enzymes to the cows so they're able to digest some of this stuff. And then they, they inject them with antibiotics so they don't die or get sick. From eating this trash, and then what happens is they store the, that those toxins in their fat, and so when you eat a grain-fed animal, you and you eat the fat off that animal, you're consuming those toxins, which makes you sick. Right? You're not what you you're not what you eat. You are what your food eats, and that's really important for animals. If you are in a situation where you're at a restaurant and they don't have grass-fed meat, grass-fed beef or lamb or bison or something like that. Opt for the leanest cut of the meat, like the London broil or the eye of the rib or like a filet mignon if you can afford it. And Because at least you're avoiding the fat as best you can. Okay, I I would aim for that. When you eat eggs, find pasture-raised eggs. Vital Farms is a great great brand. Um, They're more mainstream and a little expensive. But honestly, going to farmer's markets, asking them how they raise their animals and how they feed their chickens, and finding animals that are... uh, Eggs, rather, that are from chickens that are pasture raised, so they're free to roam and eat their grass, to eat the wheat, or eat the the wheat germ, the grass that they eat, but also the grubs they find in the yard, like the worms and stuff. You don't want chickens that are fed grain and corn. If you find someone offering you a vegetarian-fed egg, it's likely they can call it that. One, because it sounds nice, and you think you'll buy it. Oh, they're vegetarians. Chickens aren't vegetarians. Okay, <laughs> they're not vegetarians. So that's just a marketing ploy to get you to eat a fat chicken that's been eating crane and corn, and they fatten them up because they produce more eggs and they get really big so they can sell them by the pound when they kill them. Again, you're eating the when you eat the fat of the animal and the meat of the animal, you're getting all the toxins that come along with it. So don't forget that. Okay. Um, so yeah, pastured eggs, and if you are eating pig, low amounts of pastured pig, that's important. Um, pigs can't quite as be controlled. Um, because they eat slop, they eat lots of, um, they eat pretty much anything they can find. And so you can't quite control what they're eating. Some people really try, some farmers really try to do that. And if you eat that meat, you can eat that like bacon, things like that. But if you're just going and getting an industrial raised pig and eating a bacon from it, you're eating probably one of the worst things you could eat on earth. So some of these, some of these, um, what are they called? Like documentaries that come out that are vegan or vegetarian documentaries. They're quite honestly very terrible in so many ways, but they do have a point on some of these, on some of the way that animals are raised, the industrial pumped, RBST or whatever, injected animals, antibiotics, um, the food they eat, the way they're treated is all really bad. And so if you're eating an industrial animal, especially a pig because of its high fat content, you're eating just about one of the worst things you could ever eat. And so we agree there. Grass-fed beef, grass-fed lamb, grass-fed bison, pasture-raised eggs. Number eight, eliminate legumes. Things like peanuts, lentils, and beans. These things cause so much inflammation. They cause a lot of gut distress. Most people don't digest them well. If you do eat these, eat them the way, as close to the way they should have been eaten, which is to soak them, to sprout them, to ferment them, and cook them um if you don't do those things which a lot of these companies don't you're probably not going to do well and by the way it's a lot of carbohydrate and a lot of people don't do well with that much carbohydrates and that many carbohydrates rather and uh, it's going to lead to some gut distress but again food sensitivity tests are really helpful some people can get away with eating these but if you're looking for the lowest amount of inflammation and to be to improve well-being to live a long time right then i would recommend eliminating legumes altogether by the way green beans are not a vegetable just because they're green and if you go to the restaurant and you ask for a side of veggies they give you green beans that does not mean that you're eating a vegetable you're not eating a vegetable you're eating a legume it's funny how 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 gullible and how naive most people are we believe the best in people and that's that's a good trait generally but when it comes to your diet it's helpful to um, take it take matters into your own hands and to make sure that people aren't taking advantage of you or hurting you on accident, which is what happens when people give you legumes and telling you they're vegetables. Number nine, remove industrial dairy. Industrial animals have industrial diets, okay? Corn and grain. We talked about that. Now, just the same way, if you eat the fat of one of these animals, you get all of the, all of the toxins that are in it, The dairy is essentially the fat, a lot of it, the milk and butter. Um, And so those are higher concentrations of a lot of the bad stuff in those animals, okay? So avoid industrial dairy, it's bad for you. The homogenization process, the processing, damages the proteins in the milk, um, especially with heat. And so you're not able to even process a lot of that meat and it causes inflammation and causes issues and like gut distress. A lot of some of the um, lactose intolerance has to do with the processing, actually, of the milk or of the the butter and not so much the milk and butter itself. If you are going to eat dairy, eat raw dairy from grass-fed cows and it's okay. Things like raw milk, grass-fed butter like we talked about, Kerrygold's a good brand, pretend mostly. That those are better things for you to eat if you are going to do it. Now, it can be expensive. Some states, it's illegal to sell some of this stuff, which is a whole nother problem. The whole system's against you. The, eating, drinking milk the way that God intended milk to come out is illegal in some places, or it's illegal to sell it, I should say. Um, so you're going to have to work harder in some places to find raw milk from grass-fed cows. But if you do want to drink it, that's your best bet, okay? Pro- Grass-fed butter is typically okay, even for people with some lactose issues, because there is very little protein in the butter, and so the, but- the protein can't get damaged, and so it doesn't cause a lot of issues. If you still are having trouble with um, grass-fed butter, aim for something like ghee. Clarified butter uh, is actually even, some people find that they can actually tolerate ghee from grass-fed animals, even if they can't eat butter. Okay, pretty cool. Number 10. Wild caught seafood over farmed seafood. I talked about industrial animals being one of the worst things you can eat. It turns out that one of the worst things you could eat is actually farmed fish. Farm farm fishing practices are actually pretty disgusting when you know about it and pro- companies that produce this food, farm this food has even have even figured out ways to feed fish corn and grain to get them bigger. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? They're fattening up your fish. They're fattening up your fish so that way you buy it by the pound. Now, a good way to know the difference between wild caught salmon, let's say, and farm salmon is that wild caught salmon has lean lines. Uh, you know, you may notice salmon has like these little white lines with with it in between its flesh, that's fat. Wild caught salmon is actually bright red in its color and has lighter lines, or in very thin lines. Farmed-raised salmon is like sort of fleshy pink. It's like fade, it's faded a little bit. It's not bright red, and it's so it's like looks a little bit more pink and more pale. And it has like these thick white lines in it. That that animal's farmed, and it's been fed corn and grain, and it's been raised unhealthy, and it's been oftentimes raised in um, waters with high mercury. Most people. Probably, this may be really picky, but a lot of people won't eat that are healthy, um, that talk in these circles and know a lot about this, won't even eat fish that comes out of the Atlantic Ocean for this reason, the water is too toxic. And so finding that Alaskan salmon um, is a lot better because of where it is and because of the water quality. So that does matter too. You are what your fish swims in, so to speak. There's always that talk around, oh, mercury's not good for pregnant women. Well, mercury, I mean, you shouldn't eat fish if you're pregnant or sushi. Um, a lot of this has to do with the mercury content in the fish, but if you're sticking with wild caught fish and eating sushi from high quality places, then you're actually probably okay um, in some ways. But that's something for you to discuss with your healthcare practitioner, not for me for entertainment purposes over a podcast. Okay. Number 11, switch to organic fruits and vegetables. Now this is something that was popular in the late nineties and everyone sort of made fun of it. Oh, you'll need organic. I'll just tell you what. Um, non-organic food, the soil quality is destroyed. Things like glyphosate, uh, which is the main ingredient in Roundup, which finally we're, we're hearing publicly that it's causing cancer um, and it is damaging, um, is destroying the crops. And so eating organic is at least one small way to circumvent some of that. The problem with glyphosate is that it's in the water supply and it's hard to filter out and it's in the soil and it's hard to filter out. And so even in some organic foods, um, it, it's in there. You talk about things like wine. Wine is one of the biggest culprits of glyphosate. So glyphosate sprayed on it to avoid weeds, also kills bugs. Um, they'll spray these like bug repellents all over the, the crops with wine, but also with food. And, and so that way bugs won't get at the crops or animals won't get at the crops. The problem is you ingest that stuff. So then you then go ahead and eat it. And what do you think that's going to do to your gut biome and your gut bacteria? It's like dropping an atom bomb on your gut bacteria. Dr. David Perlmutter talks about your gut bacteria um, has a lot to do with your brain and how your gut biome actually has a lot to do with the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act. You have to be careful, okay? So switching to organic fruits and vegetables helps this. Now, there are some that are you're okay to eat even if they're not organic, so as is the case every year, you'll actually notice that there's a, they put out a new study, which is like the, the, the 2023 Clean 15 and the 2023 Dirty Dozen. And the difference is um, the Clean 15 is the, the 15 foods you can eat regardless of whether or not they're organic or not. So if you're looking at ways, I want to save some money. This is one way you can do that. You go find the Clean 15 and you avoid the dirty dozen. So let me give you the clean 15 while we're here, okay? These are the 15 things you could probably eat um, because they have a tough outer peel or husk or shell and that's gonna get removed anyway. So here here they are. Number one, avocados. That's right. You don't have to eat an organic avocado. Now, I am venture to say that an organic avocado tastes better and probably is gonna have less exposure to some of the stuff that we're talking about avoiding, but you can eat an avocado. I'll give you a few more. Sweet corn pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, which again, I'm not saying you should eat peas as a legume, but it's there. Asparagus, honeydew melon, which honeydew is like the filler of all melons and it's really high in sugar, but it is one of the clean 15. Kiwi, cabbage, mushrooms, mangoes, sweet potatoes, another great food for you to be eating consistently and is much cheaper when it's not organic, watermelon and carrots. So you can eat some of these foods here, the Clean 15, and you're going to remove the the outer part of it regardless, or it's grown in such a way that it's not affected um, by by some of the, the toxins we're talking about. Now, the dirty dozen. This means this is the list that indicates which crops tend to be treated with the highest volume and variety of pesticides. And so, you know, while, while carrots probably aren't a main target for a lot of, you know, pests, let's say some of these are, and so they, they spray them heavily and they are the riskiest for your human health as a human, right? Okay. So what are they for 2023? Strawberries, eat organic strawberries, guys. Spinach, kale, collards, and mustard greens, collard and mustard greens. Kale, honestly, I would avoid some of these unless they're lightly cooked. Um, And that's for another podcast, but you can eat those too. You should eat them only organic. Peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell peppers, and hot peppers. Cherries, blueberries, and green beans. Okay. So if you're going to eat any of these. Just know that you should go for organic because they have the least exposure to some of the pesticides and some of the glyphosate type stuff that we're talking about that is harming humanity, causing cancer, and it's going to lead to a lack of longevity, okay? Number 12 out of the 13 steps is to eat, keep fruit eating and consumption down. Now, this is a huge bummer for a lot of people, but again, sugar is problematic even in in some fruits. Now, avoiding higher sugar, higher fructose fruits is optimum. So there are some fruits you should consume and consume a lot of because of their phytonutrients, because of the, the good stuff that they have. Things like citrus fruits, high in vitamin C, you know, grapefruit, lemon, uh, lime, very good fruits to eat. Oranges have higher sugar. You may want to be careful with nectar, uh, sugar, uh, like things like that. Those little, the little cuties or whatever, avoid those perhaps. But, are okay um, in small quantities. Choose the citrus and berries. Berries are great, obviously. The antioxidants and blueberries, blackberries, strawberries. But remember, um, eat those organic. Keep you choose those over fruits like apples because apples are typically higher in sugar. Fructose is problematic in a lot of ways because it goes right into the liver. And so, thirty grams or less of fructose is ideal for many people. Um, I would I would venture to say that eating as less fructose as possible is good, and you might even work to cut it all out altogether, okay? And here's the last thing for you. Avoid too much protein. This is something, as someone who is a former professional athlete, college athlete, um, and coming and people that come from the bodybuilding world, people that are like high weightlifters, people in CrossFit, they tend to eat overeat protein, and um, you should be careful with too much protein. Too much protein makes you inflamed, your gut can only process 30 to 50 ish grams of protein on a meal anyway. <clears throat> and it'll lead to gut distress if you don't. And things like gluconeogenesis, so you're if you what is that? Well, if you're on if you're on ketogenic diet, your body actually can, it's very efficient. If you only eat high amounts of protein, it can work to convert protein into glucose. And it's a very inefficient process and it makes you feel like junk. So you want to avoid eating too much protein that way. So aim for 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. Let me say that again. 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight to one gram per pound of uh, 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight. That's what I would aim for. 0.8 to 1. So if you weigh 160 pounds, have anywhere from 135-ish to 160 grams. Uh, grams of protein. That's what I aim for. If you're 200 pounds, aim for 160 grams to 200 grams of protein per day. That's what you should be looking for. Too much protein makes you inflamed. So that's the 13 steps to eating healthy, the X and heal away. A few closing thoughts for you. If you wanna start this journey, which I encourage you to do, you should do it. But the problem is, a lot of people, when they fail, they quit. If you fail, that's okay. If you start this diet and you're like, I wanna eat perfectly and you fail, don't let that one failure be you backsliding for months and months on end. Don't do that. If you fail once, you're not a failure. Clean it up at your next meal and get back on the horse. Just don't go into a spiral and say, you know what? I can't believe that I ate industrial butter and a roll or pasta at that one dinner. And so now I'm just gonna go eat Pop-Tarts and ice cream and crunch berries because I failed. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to spiral. Pay attention to how you feel. This is another thing. If you are not eating perfectly, and maybe you are going to say, I'm still going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to do number six, number seven, and number eight, but I'm not going to do the rest. Pay attention to how you feel when you eat those things. Eat it. See how you feel. The odds are that if you're eating healthy enough and you introduce some junk back in, like let's say a muffin from Costco or a hot dog at a baseball game, you're going to realize that you're not feeling as good as you probably want to feel and pay attention to that. I want you to feel optimal. I want your well-being up. You may realize that I need to back off some of those foods that I decided to eat that are actually causing me some issues. Another thing, get some accountability. Uh get a health coach, get an accountability partner, someone to do this along with. The Bible is about community, right? Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? That's why God gave Adam Eve. If you have a spouse, that's a great place to start, but a friend, a coach, maybe you want to pay a professional like a health coach or um, a counselor to walk alongside you in this journey. Don't worry about counting calories. That's another thought. When you start this journey, just go ahead and eat the right foods. Don't worry about how much of what you're eating. You're going to find that if you were to do all 13 of these, your body's much more apt to self-regulate what it eats. Um, all of the food cravings that big pharma, big food, big agriculture has like bestowed upon you through their junk food. All of those are going to be gone and your body's going to know it's, it's hunger hormone ghrelin. Your body's hunger hormone is going to regulate itself a lot better. And so you're not going to find yourself being starving. Um, another thing, snacking, we don't want you snacking. Snacking was invented by the food industry to keep you hungry, eating chips, bet you can't eat just one, right? Lay's. It's designed to get you to eat more and consume more. The problem is the foods are genetically modified to get you to be hungry to snack more. When you eat properly, you're going to find you're less hungry in the middle of the day to snack. Aim for two to three meals a day and eat big, solid, delicious meals with good quality food. Don't worry about counting calories initially. And then lastly, start somewhere. Start. Just start. Don't let today be the day you say, you know what? I think I'll start tomorrow. Tomorrow is always a day away. Begin now. Start somewhere. Choose one or two or three of these. Hey, you know what? I'm going to cut out gluten and dairy, and I'm going to go from there. Fine. Eat as much fruit as you want to start. But pay attention to your body, and you're going to realize that there are some things that you're going to want to cut out along the way that are going to help you perform better. The pillars of the, what we're trying to do with ExnihilO is your well-being, your longevity, and your performance. Those are the three things I want for you. If you follow these 13 steps, you might find that uh, you're feeling a lot better and you're well on your way to doing those three things. That's today's episode. One thing I do want to note, I am starting soon um, some coaching, some personal coaching. I've been doing some of this informally on the side for a long time, but I'm starting up a formal process. And so keep an eye out for that. If you're interested in doing some wellness coaching with someone um, with a biblically, biblically based worldview, that someone can be me. So keep an eye out for that, it's coming soon. Also, if you're on YouTube and you're watching this, hey, like this video, subscribe to to my channel, and send this out to somebody who is interested in knowing more about Biblical-based wellness principles. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, give me a follow or like or subscription, and uh, I will see you guys on the next one. One more thing. The statements in this video or audio have not been evaluated by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this website and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a physician visit and should not be taken as medical advice of any sort or kind. This is a list of resources for further self-research and work with your personal physician if needed. By using any of this information, by watching, listening, or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release this podcast, its participants, and its websites from any and all liability whatsoever, including that which might come from negligence. Also, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't touch hot surfaces, and please wear your safety glasses when cutting wood.